Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles featuring the Seven Bridges Band and the entire symphony. June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Today is our annual holiday kids book show. This hour, we'll find out about the best new books for young readers. If you're looking for books for grownups, we talked about those books on Monday, and you can find the post on our website, iowapublicradio.org. You can also listen to the podcast. Search for Talk of Iowa wherever you get your podcasts. Those are good lists, I promise. Today, we have invited some experts to help us out with books for young readers, Amanda Lepper is here of Dog-Eared Books in Ames. Hello, Amanda. Hi, I'm so excited to be back talking to you about my favorite thing. Oh, well, we're very excited to have you back. Also, we've got a newbie on the show. Janae Jackson-Doring is here, Youth Service Coordinator for the State Library of Iowa. Janae, hello. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you so much for being here today. And Devin Redmond is our veteran recommender here today, Iowa City-based teacher librarian. Hello, Devin. Hi, Charity. Hi, everybody. It is wonderful to have all three of you here. And I do want to start with, a, we'll have kind of, a, I think, a mixture of some board books and some picture books, but we're going to start with books for the younger readers. And Amanda, we, we have so many books on these lists. We're not going to have a chance to talk about every right. single one of them. So you pick your absolute favorites, but Amanda, I'll let you start. Okay, I will start with Crinkle, Crinkle, Little Car. I picked this one because parents are always looking for something with a tactile um, element for their little babies, something that engages their little hands, their sights, their sounds. Um, and I'll hold it up to the microphone. Listen here. Nice. <laughs> okay, that is the body of this cute, adorable red-orange car who is causing a ruckus throughout outer space, keeping the planets and the stars up, and the little car needs to go to bed. So it's a play on the song Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, Jay Fleck, the author, illustrator, has done a really good job of making his his take on the song um, fun for parents to read. But those those papers are really fun. And the reason I picked it is because there's the holiday edition as well called Crinkle Bells. Same same concept, play on um, jingle bells. But this time it's Crinkle Bells and they're causing trouble in the Christmas tree. Nice. And that sounds like one of those board books that's going to get worn out. You're probably going to have to buy it again in six months. <laughs> Well, what I think is cool about it is because it's not a lift the flap, you don't rip off the flaps. Oh, nice. Um, and Maybe it will I've endure. I've this book out. Yes, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. <laughs> All right. Crinkle, Crinkle, Little Car and Crinkle Bells, written and illustrated by Jay Fleck. And Janae, what's your first book you'd like to talk about? Mine is actually a picture book. So, Wheels on the Bus. We all know the song Wheels on the Bus. It's a popular, popular tune. This book I have is called The Munster on the Bus, and this is by Josh Lieb, and it's illustrated by Hannah Marks. And these two children, Cassius and Angelique, they're getting ready to go to school. It's their first day of school, and it's their first day getting on the bus. And you know that feeling of getting on the bus and just getting ready to go to school and wondering what the bus driver's like, what the other kids are like. Well, they get on this bus— and there's something pink and furry behind the bus driver, and it's got an eye sticking out. And you're like, wait a minute, um, what is that? And you turn the next couple pages, 
and you see more of this thing. It's, it's got a yellowish hand. It's got an eyeball. And it says the wheels on the bus go round and round all through the town. And you turn the next page and, oh, my gosh, it is a big, huge, pink monster. But this <laughs> monster on the bus goes yum, yum, yum. So it's a very nice play off of Wheels on the Bus. So the monster on the bus goes yum, yum, yum all through the town. And then there's a villain on the bus. The villain on the bus says Earth will pay all oh my through goodness. the town. <laughs> the kids then see a giant T-Rex on the bus. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, are these kids going to get to school? Are you kidding me? What's going on here? So then this bus takes them all the way out to outer space where they're changed into aliens. And there's a wizard on the bus. And then the kids finally yell, change us back. The kids on the bus say, change us back. And so they get sent back to Earth. Everybody gets changed back to normal. The villain goes to jail. And yes, the pink monster does release the bus driver because the monster ate the bus driver. <laughs> and the bus driver has all this pink goo on him. But it, this is a fun, fun take on wheels on the bus. If you want something fun to sing to your children, it's helping build nursery rhymes. It's helping them build that language and vocabulary. Get the monster on the bus. And oh my gosh, I can tell you're going to read this one over and over and over again. And Janae, I want you to read it to me. <laughs> I've read this for story time. So I, I love this book. And so I had kids coming up that said, guess what? I read this book, Miss Janae. I read this book. And the grandparent that would bring bring their children to story time, they're like, yes, we read the book. <laughs> we read the book over and over. Know, right? And that's what you want. That's exactly what you want. It is exactly what you want, even when you get tired of it. The Monster on the Bus by Josh Lieb, illustrated by Hannah Marks. And Devin, it's your turn. Okay. Uh, my first book is called Free Kid to Good Home, and it is written and drawn by Hiroshi Ito, and it really it made me laugh. It didn't have the sad feeling of Shel Silverstein's sister for sale. It wasn't like that. But this is a book about a girl who moves out um, willingly. She willingly moves out after her parents bring home a new baby. And she plops herself in a box, and that box says, free kid. And she's sure that a millionaire family is going to find her and just scoop her up and take her home. The girl is joined by a stray cat, a stray dog, and then a turtle. But they are all eventually picked by somebody walking by. Um, the little girl has lots of emotions, and you can see this in the illustrations. And then towards the end of the book, the girl is given some control over her situation, which is something that kids and all of us um, would actually like to happen. So there aren't very many words on each page. So I think that this book will be a great one for early readers. All right. Empowering for that yes. new big sibling. Yes. <laughs> all right. Free kid to good home, Hiroshi Ito. And that brings us back to you, Amanda. I'm going to give you one more uh, board book okay. for the brand new babies. Okay. I, everybody has new brand, brand new babies in their extended family. I know they're out there. Um, this one's by Jacqueline Ogburn and illustrated by one of my favorites of all time, Chris Roshka. His illustrations are just like wild and expressive and unusual um, and not realistic. Um, so I love exposing kids to his artwork. But what they've done together is created this book called Little Treasures that represents terms of endearment from around the world in their original languages. So we know that we call kids around here kiddo, sweetie pie, um, my little peanut, 
sweetheart. But what do people across the world call their beloved children? And so we have 14 different languages and the terms of endearment are both listed in their English translation, but are also listed in their original language with phonetics underneath. So some of us who aren't as talented with language have a phonetic guide for pronouncing them. And kids get to learn things like uh, the French call their sweet little babies, my flea or my little cabbage. Um, And I just love this. And the ending says it all. Children all over the world are called all different things. And regardless of what they're called, they all mean the same thing. I love you. And so I love the way that ends. And I think it's the perfect book for a brand new baby. Oh, wonderful. Little Treasures, written by Jacqueline Ogburn and illustrated by Chris Rashka. And Janae, back to you. So I love Sandra Boynton's books. And this picture book is called Hippos Go Berserk. This is a cute, cute picture book. Um, actually, she actually wrote and drew this book in 1977 as a January project at Yale's drama school. And so now it's been redrawn and released for a new generation. So hippos go berserk. It goes one hippo all alone. So on the spread, you see simple text, one hippo all alone. And there's a hippo sitting with a yellow telephone looking kind of bored. Calls two hippos on the phone. And then three hippos at the door. Bring along another four. So the hippo keeps inviting more and more people. And the numbers keep going up with all these hippos coming. So we're counting from one to ten in this book. So all the way to nine. Nine hippos come to work. All the hippos go berserk. And so you see all these hippos just having a party with balloons. They're running around, going upside down, serving drinks. There's maids dressed up with a birthday cake. And so now the hippo has to get the hippos to all go home. So it's a counting book from 1 to 10, and then it counts down back from 10 to 1. Super fun, super cute. Nice bedtime story if you want something to read to your children. Nice. And it sounds like Sandra Boynton's uh, roots here, going back to the, the beginning of these this collection that, of course, mm-hmm. we all know and love. Hippos Go Berserk by Sandra Boynton. And uh, Devin, I think we've got time for one more from you before we go to break. Okay. So the more that we all become immersed in technology, the more I want to remember how things were before the internet and before phones. And Jacqueline Woodson's The World Belonged to Us really satisfied my need for this, and it felt perfect. The book is set in Brooklyn in the 1970s, and the illustrations are reminiscent of Sesame Street or The Electric Company, and they were done by Leo Espinoza. And in the book, we learn all about the summertime activity of kids in the neighborhood. We learn about the games they played, how conflicts were solved, and how everyone seemed to watch out for each other. The book also had a very diverse feel. And I think for the holiday, if you you get it, it will open up conversations about how things today might be the same and how they might be different. And I think it'll just start some really great conversations. I loved it. The World Belonged to Us by Jacqueline Woodson. And Devin, Jacqueline Woodson kind of blows my mind because her picture books are amazing. Her books for young readers are amazing. Her YA books are amazing. And then she also writes for adults. So clearly there's nothing that this woman cannot do. I I 
I love her. She would be somebody that I would really like to meet in person someday. She yeah. She's extraordinary. All right. The World Belonged to Us by Jacqueline Woodson is that pick. We are going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more books for young readers. We've got our experts here today. Devin Redmond, Iowa City-based teacher librarian. Janae Jackson-Doring, youth service coordinator for the State Library of Iowa. And Amanda Lepper of Dog-Eared Books in Ames. We are busy compiling these lists and we will be sharing them online at iowapublicradio.org and through our social media. You can and also listen to the podcast. And if you're looking for books for grownups, that list is already live. We talked about those on Monday. So it's a great time to think about reading. We'll be back in a moment. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles featuring the Seven Bridges Band, and the entire symphony, June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Today is our annual holiday kids book show. We are finding out about the best new books for young readers. And there are so many different categories when we talk about books for young readers. So we're focusing right now on the youngest readers and the read-alouds with picture books. We're going to move on to a little bit older readers and hopefully hit some young adult books as well before we're done for the hour. We have with us today Amanda Lepper of Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Janae Jackson-Doring, Youth Service Coordinator for the State Library of Iowa, and Iowa City-based teacher librarian Devin Redmond. And because I don't want to short the chapter books, which I know as a parent, that is one of the things that we all need advice on. Let's do two more picture books or books for young readers each. And I'm going to let you do two at a time and we'll pick up the pace a little bit. But um, Amanda, why don't why don't you kick us off here with a couple more books for young readers? Thank you so much. Picture books are my great love. I just got my hands on I Don't Care by Julie Fogliano, illustrated by Caldecott, Honorees, Molly Idol, and Juana Martinez-Neal, who happen to be best friends. Um, this book is a book about friendship. It's written in poetic verse. By, uh, Julie Fogliano is a genius, um, and it's talking about all the things we don't care about in friendships. We don't care what your hair looks like or what your nose looks like or what your clothes are like or whether you like to draw strange pictures. What we do care about is that we're always there for each other and that we are two parts of a whole and that we have all these these things that bond us together. It is an instruction manual for friendship and it should be in every classroom. It can be read all the way through elementary school. And then... Um, Another one that I just can't not mention is The Christmas Book Flood, written by Emily Kilgore with pictures by Kitty Moss. I'm a huge, huge fan of the Icelandic tradition of Yolo Boca Flood. I know there's someone Icelandic out there who could probably correct my pronunciation a little bit. I've tried to practice it. Um, but this book uh, shows you a picture of a darkening winter sky and shows the busy town people going from store to store searching for the perfect books for everyone in their family, which is what this radio show is about. And what they do is they gather on Christmas Eve, they exchange their books, they 
unwrap them immediately and start reading while eating or drinking chocolate. And they read and they read and they read until they enter the Christmas holiday. The illustrations are uh, collage-based. They're full of color. They're full of love. And it's exactly where I want to be at this holiday season. That is such a wonderful tradition. I, I, if I could go back in time, that is how my family would celebrate Christmas Eve for <laughs> sure. All right. So that's the first one was I Don't Care, written by Julie mm-hmm. Fogliano and illustrated by Molly Idol and Juana Martinez-Neal. And the second one was The Christmas Book Flood, written by Emily Kilgore and illustrated by Kitty Moss. And Janae, you're up next. Okay. My two, I, my two books, I have Berry Song. By Michaela Goad. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture book. This is gorgeous. It's about a girl and her grandmother. They gather berries from the earth. And it is an indigenous picture, picture book. And it's just beautiful. It's uh, it, it, uh, it's a luscious. I want to say luscious picture book because there's so many berries. And it's a sing-song book. So they have salmonberry, cloudberry, blueberry, nagoonberry, huckleberry, soapberry, strawberry, crowberry. But it's this grandmother and the granddaughter, they are celebrating everything that the earth gives them. And they're showing gratitude. And they're picking berries. And she's teaching her how to pick berries and to take care of themselves. And together, they make salmon berry syrup, cranberry marmalade. The kitchen glows like a summer sky. The spreads are just beautiful, just different colors of greens and reds and blues. And there's a beautiful spread of the girl with flowers in her hair, and her dress turns into the water and the I want to say the fish in the in the in the sea in the ocean. This is a beautiful, beautiful picture book with notes in the back of it. Um, so if you get a chance, please read Barry Song by Michaela Goad. That's my first pick. Okay. The second pick is Alpha Bedtime. <laughs> it's a picture book by Susanna Leonard Hill and Betsy Snyder, and this is a wonderful picture book to teach your kids ABCs. There's a mom, alpha mom and alpha dad. That's what they're called. And they're all eating eating dinner, all 26 kids. And they're sitting at the table. Supper time's over. Everyone's fed. Alpha mom says, time for bed. So you'll see all the children. They're named after all the 26 letters of the alphabet. You see the struggle of getting the kids ready for bed, getting them in for bath time and for brushing their teeth. And as soon as you think everything, everybody's quiet and calm, mom turns out the light. All of a sudden, all 26 kids, pillow fight. (laughs) It's a wonderful, fun book. So if you're learning, if you're helping your children learn letter recognition, building that language and vocabulary, pick up alphabet time. You know, Janae, uh, recently I got to go to the first baby shower I got to go to in three years, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was getting board books and I was telling my kids about all the favorite board books that I used to read to them. And they said, were they all about going to bed? (laughs) Well, it's a pretty, pretty popular theme. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So that one is Alpha Bedtime by Susan Lee, Susanna Leonard Hill, illustrated by Betsy Snyder. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was Berry Song by Michaela Goad. And Devin, it's your turn. 
All right. One of my favorite books to read to little kids is The Three Billy Goats Gruff. And I think it's because of the repetition in the book and also the building of this of suspense, both of which kids love if the author does it right. And Mac Barnett and John Classen's new version is very close to the original, but it also adds a lot of silly humor and funny rhymes. Um, I think it would be a really good idea if the whole family got together on Thanksgiving Day and they did a play with the story. (laughs) And I say that because I did it pretty successfully with kindergartners and they had so much fun. And you might want to you might think that they all wanted to be like the biggest Billy Goat Gruff, but actually they all wanted to be the troll. (laughs) so um that's my first book it was was, it's a great new rendition that is still similar to the old and then my second book um Buffy St. Marie is a Cree singer-songwriter, and her work has centered on issues facing indigenous groups. And Julie Flett is a Cree Metis illustrator. And the book, Still This Love Goes On, is simple, but it's beautiful. It's about favorite seasons and places and nature. And to me, it felt like a great book for the holidays because it invites the reader to think of their own favorite stories and people. There is also sheet music in the back, along with both meaningful and heartfelt notes from both the author and the illustrator. All right. So The Three Billy Goats Gruff, a new version by Mac Barnett, and Still This Love Goes On by Buffy St. Marie and illustrated by Julie Flett. And I I do want to mention that you've also got the new Mo Williams Pigeon book on here. So if you've got the whole pigeon collection, The Pigeon Will Ride the Roller Coaster, I'm sure, is just as much fun as all the other pigeons. And let me say one thing about that book. I read that book with first graders that none of them, I don't think, had seen it because it had just come out. And... Their reaction at the end of the book was priceless. So don't let your kid look at the book before you read it with them. <laughs> okay. Excellent advice. That that one was The Pigeon Will Ride the Roller Coaster by Mo Willems. And now I feel like I let you, you cheat a little bit, Devin. <laughs> It's my fault. My bad. All right. So let's move to books for just a little bit older readers. Um, And actually, I like this two at a time. Um, So Amanda, why don't you give me two books for for readers that are just a little bit older? Okay. I will give you middle grade selections that have both been read by our middle grade book club called The Good Trouble uh, Book Club for Middle School Students. Um, Our middle grade curator is looking for something that has, I think of it like a chocolate covered strawberry, right? We're not trying to hide the goodness of the strawberry, but you get the great strawberry and the candy. Okay. So both of these books are like candy and they have the wonderful fruit fiber nutrition in them. Um, The first one I'm going to mention is Sir Callie and the Champions of Helston. This one's so cool because we got to meet the author as me Simmis Smith um, when we were in St. Louis. And this is a great book because it is a fantasy novel that includes a map of a kingdom. That always is, to me, a a fabulous fantasy novel. You have to learn a kingdom. Um, But Sir Callie knows that they are not a girl. And this is something uh, the mother of the family cannot accept, but the father can. And so the father takes her Callie and heads off to a quieter village that's more tolerant and acceptant. But when the father is called back to the kingdom, 
to try and buff up, raise up, toughen up the the prince, who's a little described as a little weak. Um, Sir Cali sees it as an opportunity to come along and train as a knight. And um, it's a really important, it, it's fantasy at its best. There's dragons and there's magic. Um, but what the author says is that this is about magic and fantasy, but it's also about bigotry and bias. And it will make you an eyewitness to kids who are fighting these battles in real life. And that's what we try and do with our Good Trouble Book Club is we give kids the practice and the tools they need to observe the injustices they see around them and know how to be that brave knight that Sir Callie is trying to be. The second book that um, came, comes recommended uh, by Tom Vivastogi, our book club leader and uh, bookseller extraordinaire, is A Duet for Home by Karina Young-Glazer. This is another book that the, our group is reading. And this is a book that addresses the topic of um, homelessness, insecurity, and um, it's also about friendship. It's a bunch of about two kids who become very good friends in um, the the um, the the homeless uh, place that they are staying. I'm sorry, the shelter is escaping yeah. me right now. The shelter, thank you. Shelter is escaping my word right now. It's called Huey House, and June and Tyrell are sixth graders who both land up in the same place. Tyrell has been there for three years and so shows June the ropes. Tyrell is the mischief maker and June is kind of a little bit more of a cautious person. She's very sad because she's had to leave her viola at home. This instrument is not allowed to come to the shelter. Uh, um, So they bond over a love of reading or a, a love of music and what's really cool is that right next door to this shelter is a classical, a famous classical musician who takes these children under their wing and allows them to embrace their interests. So it opens your eyes to, um, you know, what it is to not have a home that you own or can count on. Um, and to be relocated into maybe a chaotic environment. And it also helps to recorrect some of our uh, misconceptions about what it means to be in poverty or to be homeless, um, specifically like the idea, the stereotype that maybe these people are lazy. Um, because what we learn through the characters in this book is how hard they work in their schoolwork, in their passions, in their interests, and their ability to help one another. And so those would be our two chapter books that we really love that are candy and education. All right. So great reads. We'll learn something and, and maybe be inspired as well. So Sir Callie and the Champions of Helston by Esme Simmis Smith was the first one you talked about. And the second one mm-hmm. you talked about was A Duet for Home by Karina Jan Glasser. And that brings us back to you, Janae. And I know you broke down your books between beginning readers and middle grades. So you can pick a couple, but I, I think a beginning reader would be really helpful. Again, that's something that parents are always searching for to help kids make that transition transition to independent reading? Sure. Um, I'll I'll have two beginning readers. Um, The first one is Cornbread and Poppy at the Carnival. This is by Matthew Cordell. And these are two mice. (laughs) They're both best friends. Um, Poppy loves scary movies and Cornbread does not. Poppy adores running cheese, runny cheese, excuse me, and Cornbread does not. (laughs) 
So they get a chance to go to the carnival, and Poppy's like, I want to ride roller coasters. I want to ride these scary rides. I want to ride on the Ferris wheel. I want to do all these big, huge, scary rides. And Corbett's just not having it. Nope, nope, absolutely not. So when they get to the Ferris wheel, Cornbread is scared. He's like, I can't, I can't ride it. But together, through friendship, they're able to get on the ride and realize, okay, it's not scary. It's not as scary as what I thought. And they're enjoying everything about the carnival. There's these, uh, excuse me, this book has simple, simple sentences so that way parents can read and follow along and illustrations. And it's super cute. And they also fight over a peanut. <laughs> they find a peanut and they're like, well, I'm going to take it home because I'm starved. Well, no, I'm going to take it home. So they're both fighting and both fighting and both fighting. And you turn the other page and it actually was the elephant's peanut. So the elephant just scoops it up with his trunk <laughs> and takes off with it. But then they become friends again. Um, this is a fun picture book, or excuse me, not picture book, beginning reader book, but with simple sentences that parents and children can read and follow along. So this is Cornbread and Poppy at the Carnival. Wonderful, by Matthew Cordell. And then you had another beginning reader book you wanted to talk about? Yes, um, Narwhal and Jelly. I don't know if any of your listeners uh, have heard of Narwhal and Jelly, but this is the seventh book in the series. This is called Narwhalicorn and Jelly by Ben Clanton, and it's these two friends, Narwhal and Jelly. And Narwhal, Narwhal really wants to see what it's like to be a unicorn. What's it like to be out of the water, walking on land, and just seeing all there is to see? And Jellyfish is like, really? You just just stay here. Just stay in the water. We don't, we don't need to be out there. We don't need to be out there. But Narwhal wishes on a star. Wish I may, wish I might. Have this wish I wish tonight. And guess what? He becomes a narwhalicorn. He grows <laughs> legs and he walks around looking to find all the unicorns and see what it's like. And he's just having a blast. And meanwhile, Jellyfish is like, I just want to be in the water. I'm too tired for this. So Narwhal has to figure out how he can still be friends with the unicorns while still appreciating Jelly and what je- Jellyfish wants to do. It's a fun series. Big spread, big spreads, big text, big small and simple text that kids can read and enjoy. So nice. It sounds like there might be even a little bit of a lesson hidden in there, Janae. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, and there's also some fun unicornish facts as well. <laughs> Facts-ish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, narwhalicorn and jelly. I, I suspect that one's a challenge to read out loud. Narwhalicorn and jelly by Ben Clantori, part of a series, because this one is volume seven. And then you also mentioned Cornbread and Poppy at the Carnival by Matthew Cordell. That's also part of a series, because that is volume Correct. two. And boy, do we love series when our kids get into those beginnings readers. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment with more of the best new books for young readers. With me today, Janae Jackson-Doring, Youth Service Coordinator for the State Library of Iowa. Amanda Lepper is here of Dog-Eared Books and Ames. And Devin Redmond is also here, Iowa City-based teacher, librarian. We'll be back with more of their picks in a moment. And of course, we will be publishing these lists on our website and through social media, iowapublicradio.org. If you're looking for grown-up books, that list is already live because we talked about them on Monday. This is Talk of Iowa. 
This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nevy. Today we are finding out about the best new books for young readers this holiday season. With me, Amanda Lepper of Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Janae Jackson-Doring, Youth Service Coordinator for the State Library of Iowa, and Iowa City-based teacher librarian Devin Redmond. And Devin, it is your turn to talk about books for just a little bit older readers. What do you want to talk about? Okay, I'm going to talk about two graphic novels. Um... The kids at my school love graphic novels, and so um, they easily pick up the ones like Dogman and everything like that. But I am, um, I there are so many. I don't mean to say Dogman aren't good. There are so many really great graphic novels out there that might um, have a little bit more of a message than Dogman. But anyway, my first one is Frizzy. And it's a graphic novel by Clarabel A. Ortega. And I would think it would be good for maybe third-ish grade on up. And the main character, Marlene, she has to go with her mom every weekend to the salon to get her hair straightened. It takes forever, and it hurts, and Marlene doesn't want to go anymore. After spending a weekend with her Tia Ruby, Marlene is finally ready to confront her mom about her mom's Dominican culture's standards for beauty that she was raised with. So this book actually as much of it is as much of it is an awakening for Marlene to talk to her mom. It's also an awakening for the mom. Um, and it makes me realize that it's hard to shake your own embedded beliefs from your childhood. So that was frizzy. I very much enjoyed that one. Five and out of five stars. I always need to point this out because it feels like an extra recommendation. Frizzy is not just on your list. It is also on Janae's list. So this is a double recommendation for Frizzy. Janae, do you, is there anything you want to add to what Devin said? She hit it right on the nail. It was an <laughs> awesome book. Wonderful book. I it's just appreciating your curls, your natural curls. It was just amazing. All right. Awesome. And the illustrations, I've, I've only seen, you know, the cover and, and one other picture, but the illustrations just look incredible. So Frizzy by Clarabelle Ortega. And what's your next one, Devin? My next one is Swim Team by Johnny Christmas. And this book was on the National Book Awards long list this year. And I really loved this one as well. Bree and her dad moved from Brooklyn to Florida. And Bree's excited about it. She immediately makes a new friend and she's excited to roll, enroll in her new school and hope that she can get into the class called Math Puzzles because she loves math. However, she comes to find out that all possible electives that she wants to take are full with the exception of Swim 101. And at the first class, she's too nervous to admit she doesn't know how to swim. But eventually, she asks a neighbor, a former swimmer, for lessons. And I really admired Brie in this book because she has confidence in herself. But like a lot of us, she still admits that she's nervous to try new things. The book has lots of problem solving, perseverance, and strong girl characters. And then there's also history about black people being denied access to public pools and even, um, you know, pushed off to the side at 
lakes. Um, and this history was prompted by Bree's question to her neighbor about why she didn't know very many black people like herself who could swim. I think this book, uh, again, is third grade on up, and you don't even have to enjoy swimming to like it. <laughs> Swim Team by Johnny Christmas. And this is another double recommendation. Yeah. Amanda, this is also on your list. Anything you want to add? Just two things. One, um, the Johnny Christmas um, is has worked in uh, adult comics before, and so, like, very talented illustrator, and has used this... Um, this technique in which the backstory is filled in like you build a puzzle. So some of these spreads look like puzzles being pieced together uh, bit by bit. And the other thing I wanted to share was that he was motivated to write this book based on his own near drowning and um, reflecting on his lack of access to pools. So um, that was that's all I would add on Swim Team um, in terms of uh, a book I would recommend to add to our list. Um, are we still going by twos? And uh, Let's go one at a time one. now so we don't okay. run out. Okay. So the one thing I just want everyone to know is next week, um, a very popular author has her new release out. It's Holly Jackson. She wrote A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. I have a copy in my hand. She basically invented a subgenre. I call it the murder books. Um, that YA's uh, young young adults love reading. Um, it's their their future mystery thriller readers. And so, uh, a good girl's guide to murder was her first. She had a whole series around it. This new one is a standalone. It's called Five Survive, and it's based on a group of kids who take a spring break cross country trip together. And there are six of them to start, six friends, but only five survive. What's really cool is you open the book and you have a diagram of the RV they're traveling in. You can see all the little spaces where could where could a killer exist? We don't know. And then you also get the map um, that shows their um, drive from New Jersey and they're going to end up at the Gulf Shore. So that's their intended route. They they run into trouble along the way and somebody dies. So for the kids who love A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, this is going to be the book they want this year. Interesting. So uh, I'm thinking about young adult novels and there's there's always tension. You know, there are a lot of young adult novels mm-hmm. that have tension and, and feel like mm-hmm. a little bit of a thriller. But murder mystery is not is <laughs> not a thing that I think about when I think about YA. So in in our bookstore, the. The kids love the murder mysteries, and um, it can be a historical murder mystery, can be a contemporary murder mystery. But um, think about the show uh, Pretty Little Liars and its popularity. Um, And I forget the one that was back in my day about the kids in New York at the wealthy school I totally got into. But, um, you know, something happens. There's a mystery, and it's slowly revealed. So we're raising these future sci-fi readers, mystery thriller readers, Uh, you know, literary fiction readers, and they're finding their way in those young adult books. All right. Five Survive by Holly Jackson. And Janae, I'm going to let you pick because you have so many great chapter books for middle grade readers. You have a couple young adult picks. You get to pick whatever else you want to talk about. I'm going to move into YA since YA has been brought up. And this is my top, top favorite this year. It's called The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. Mm -hmm. And this book is kind of a it's kind of like the a version of Stephen King's Carrie. Um, I was hooked 
as soon as I read this book. Um, it is based on the real-life town of Rochelle, Georgia, which hosted its first integrated prom in 2013. So this story centers around Maddie. This town has gone through a whole a horrible incident, and when Springfield residents think of what happened to their town, they all have one answer. Maddie did it. Madison Washington is a senior in high school. She is just trying to not blend in. She just she's quiet. She's mousy. She's shy. And she's been raised thinking that she is white. Well, during a rainstorm, her hair, which is very, very pressed, a rainstorm comes down and it reveals her natural curls. And everyone realizes, oh, my God, she's. She's been posing as white all this time. She's actually black. And she's raised by a white father who is very strict, just like in the story of Carrie. He's very strict. He puts her in a closet where she has to pray and make sure that she's keeping herself prim and proper. And and it's it, she's just going crazy. She's just like, oh, my God, I got to get out of here. But she's realizing that she also has powers. And... The kids made fun of her hair so much that they threw pencils at the back of her head and it was videotaped and it was posted online. So the town is already going through scrutiny because of this whole incident. And there was another video of a child of a teen in blackface also posted online. So the way they decided to handle this was to have the the proms. They have a they have the white prom and then and then the black prom. Well, Maddie gets asked by Kenny to go to the prom and she's like I don't know I don't know so she goes ahead and goes and if you remember the story of Carrie a bucket falls on her head and her powers are released and I gotta tell you when when her powers were released man you wanted to run it was just it was creepy it's awesome I love the scene where she's leaving her house, and when she snaps her fingers, the house just goes up in fire. Whew! Yeah, I can't, I can't speak anymore. It's just so awesome. <laughs> All right. Wow. The way, this also sounds like something that a lot of people who are not teens would also get into. Is, is that true, Janae? I can yes. imagine. All right. And especially if you love horror, this is your jam. All right. The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. Although I have to say a lot of the horror, it sounds like in this book, is based on real life things that actually happen. So that brings a whole different chill to yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Whew. All right. <laughs> Devin, you get to go after that. Okay. <laughs> I will share my YA recommendation as well. And this is also one that even though it's young adult, I think adults would very much enjoy this too. But it's All My Rage by Saba Tahir. And it was a very heavy, heavy book. And as I was reading it, I did ask myself a few times if it was going to be too much. And it was a lot, but it was very, very much worth it. Um, You might know the author, Saba Tahir, from her Ember in the Ashes fantasy series, but she switched gears to realistic fiction for All My Rage, where she tells the story of Noor and Sal, both Muslim, who are growing up in a small town called Juniper, California. They met when they were in first grade and have had the ups and downs of, of a friendship. Sal's family runs a small motel, and Noor is trying her hardest to apply to colleges without her uncle finding out. Told in alternating chapters, they're trying to just navigate their lives 
along with the small amount of choices life seems to be allowing them. The thing is, is those choices are narrowed down even more as the book goes on. I love to hear his characters because they each felt different and like their own person. And then I also just wanted to share this quote by the author about the rage in the book. And it's actually taken from the Smashing Pumpkins song, Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Um, The quote came after she explained her thoughts about a tweet that used the hashtag Muslim rage. And she says... I think that as a result, we bottle up our rage because it's not always safe to express it. And that's just so unjust, so wrong, so unfair. I'm not saying we should all run around hitting each other with sticks, but we should be able to express our anger if it's deserved. And since that's not something I could change, I wanted to write about it. So and then one last thing, music is very important to Noor in the book. And if you're interested, there is a playlist on Spotify with um, a song from each song that's mentioned in the book. Lovely. All My Rage by Sabah Tahir. And uh, so there is one other book that has a double recommendation on these lists. And since Devin got to talk about the other two first, I'm going to go back to Janae and mention that both you and Devin recommend The Door of No Return by Kwame Alexander. So briefly, Janae, can can you tell me, you also both have it in different categories, which tells me that probably it spans a lot of different age groups. But um, tell me why this book is, is a good pick for you. Sure. Um, so The Door of No Return by Kwame Alexander is a novel in verse. Um, a novel in verse is basically a novel told in the form of poems. Um, I really enjoyed this book just because you see Kofi, this young man who goes to school, he doesn't want to learn proper English, he wants to still stick to his traditions. Um, this is a historical fiction novel that was is based in 1860s Ghana. Um, but he wants to stick to his cultural traditions and he loves to swim, but his family has said, don't swim at night. It's very dangerous, don't swim at night. And during this big festival, Um, His brother fights and competes in this competition, and he accidentally kills the opponent, and it leaves everybody on edge, and Kofi is just shocked for his brother. He's scared for his brother. So he swims. He he knows that's the thing he loves to do. He, He swims just to kind of get away from things, but he's also kidnapped, and he's taken to kind of this place where he doesn't know what's going on and he's, and his brother is killed right in front of him. So you see his perseverance to survive and live and thrive. I think that's what captured with me. And I love reading poetry. So if you want something that has the historical appeal and just seeing a person come of age and learning how to survive, I would get the door of no return. You want to add anything to that, Devin? I don't think so. I'm not sure which um, which category Janae had this in. I do know it's labeled as grade five and up, but as I was reading it, I just was thinking, I feel like this is so graphic um, yeah. that I wasn't sure if maybe I would wait for the junior high libraries sure. for that. Well, and we're all, always looking for great books for junior high kids. <laughs> Again, something parents are longing for at all times. The Door of No Return by Kwame Alexander. And that means that you get the final word today, Amanda. Do you want to give us your final YA pick? Yeah, sure. It's The Lesbianist Guide to Catholic School by Sonora Reyes. 
Um, this has been adored by both our young adult readers, but also our adult readers. That's the fun thing about YA is that we have many adults that come and shop that section. Um, it, it, it was a finalist for the National Book Award, and it's fun to carry around. It has a gorgeous cover, um, wonderful cover art, but it's about 16-year-old Yami Flores and her younger brother who transfer to a mostly white, very rich Catholic school. They're looking for the opportunities that this school can offer them. Um, Yami already stands out as one of the only Mexican-Americans in her new school, so she decides to keep her queer identity under wraps. Um, when she's been outed before, there have been consequences for her. It's hurt her family. It's hurt her standing in her school. So she does not want at this new school to have to deal with that again. The thing that makes it difficult is Bo, the only openly queer girl at her school who is smart and talented and cute and very irresistible. So it's hard to keep this uh, blooming crush a secret. And um, she has to figure out what she's going to do about it. Um, it's funny, but it's also examining uh, family relationships, friendship, authenticity, and identity. And so it's a very delightful book. The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School. Amanda Lepper, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Charity. Thank you to both of our uh book lovers who have been with us. Amanda Lepper of Dog-Eared Books and Ames. Janae Jackson-Doring, thank you. Thank you. Jack Janae Jackson-Doring is Youth Service Coordinator for the State Library of Iowa. And Devin Redmond, thank you. Hey, thank you. Thanks, that was great. Iowa City-based teacher, librarian Devin Redmond. We will be publishing this list on our website, iowapublicradio.org, and sharing it through social media. This is Talk of Iowa.